like as our oh yeah should like, I go should I still play our song yeah so like play that like be like oh who's writing the California bear and then I'd sit and then I go teach and song <laughs> <laughs> and then it cuts into our intro and then and we then go welcome to Mr. Reticle perfect I love that. I love that <laughs> <laughs> jinx <laughs> I'm crying oh. <sighs> my nose is leaking <laughs> Story of my life. Welcome to Mr. Reticle, where we take a theoretical approach to solving mysteries. I'm Lynn. And I'm JP. So grab your sunscreen because we're heading to the land that has the third best drinking water in the world, extremely diverse landscapes, cultures, and languages, as well as one of the oldest mountains in the entire world. Oh, and elephants. So we're heading to South Africa to discuss the case of six missing girls and Hurt Van Royen and Joey Harhoff. In South Africa? Hmm? Oh, that's exciting. I know. I knew you would like that. We're making our way. Downtown, walking fast. <laughs> In the back of a pickup truck with a piano. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, that's exciting. I, um, I don't think I've heard a South African case. I don't think I have either, except for that Oscar Pretorius person. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh. He's there. So, South Africa. We're heading to, like, the Johannesburg Pretoria area in the late 1980s. So, since we're American... And the only way Americans know how to measure the space of any other place is by comparing it to Texas. <laughs> yeah. To, sorry. I did try to do that, but like it's way bigger than Texas and then it's way smaller than America. So I compared it to Alaska. Oh, um, Alaska is the biggest state, isn't it? Alaska is huge. And yeah. it's only 22%. Alaska is 22% larger than South Africa. So it was like a close. Whatever. Okay. But keep in mind, like Alaska is bigger than we, we picture on maps. They always make it small. It's actually like huge. Yeah. And also South Africa has like what I love about that country is that there's like a country inside of it, too. Yeah. Um, the, which Zulu, is our, the Zulu nation. That and there's like Litho. It's not Lithuania or anything, oh, but um, it's like Lithomia or something. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I remember I can picture it on the map. It's like yeah. a little tiny. It's like a little dot. Yeah. Yeah. Which I thought was cool. But yeah, anyway, we're not talking about Texas or Alaska. <laughs> talking about <laughs> South Africa. So South Africa has three capital cities, Cape Town, Bloemfontein, and Pretoria, which is around where this case takes place. Johannesburg is not a capital, but it is the largest city. And it's like 45 minutes from Pretoria, I think. It's like right. That's interesting. Three Canada. capitals. Mm -hmm. I think they're different kinds of capitals. I didn't fully look into it. Like, I feel like a judicial capital and like a something other capital and like another. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I thought that was cool. Yeah. So we all like, we all know that I like to put us there and make us feel like we're there in the yeah. time and whatever. And it's like a chance to educate ourselves. So before I get going, two things. One, I don't know the preferred names. I'm pretty, I'm going to guess that they prefer to go by like nation, just like First Nations do in Australia and like here. Right. Like if you know their, 
their nation name, you should call them that, but I don't know what they all are. Um, yeah. And I do need to have a difference of like the white South Africans and the black South Africans and mm-hmm. like everything says black African. And I don't know if that's, that's like the appropriate upon. Right. Right. I know what words definitely not to say, but I don't know if that's like one of them. So I'm going to call them first nations because they're the first perfect because I need I like that. a, I need like a difference, but if anyone cares, you don't have to educate me. I can figure it out. But like, if you care to sh- n- tell me, I'd love be to great. learn. Yeah, please. Like, it's not your job, but like, if you want to just like send us a little, right. I actually prefer this. And I'd be like, that's perfect. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. So I just need it for like storytelling purposes to be able to tell a difference because it does matter. Yes. Unfortunately. So one of my very, very close friends and my old roommate is from South Africa oh. and she's not into true crime stuff. So I like didn't ask her anything like if she remembers this because um, she was there in the 80s. But I did write I did ask her what she remembered like about South Africa. And she wrote this like beautifully eloquent thing and it really like will bring you there so i'm literally going to just read what word for word what she remembers which Love is everything that. okay so south africa has a golden glow all the time johannesburg is called the city of gold not only because of the gold mines but because of the sunsets nature is just brighter but there is also a layer of dust the air is fresh though crisp the food too tastes natural Every morning you hear the harditas fly over the houses at sunrise. Every night you hear the crickets. It was segregated and just a few years from then, Mandela was released from prison. I remember my route to school every day. I remember everything. I remember when the first McDonald's came to South Africa, we queued for hours. Or when the first pop stars came to perform, Whitney Houston and Michael Jackson. When sanctions were lifted. I remember the monkeys roaming around Umlenga, my favorite city. The warm Indian Ocean filled with blue bottles on the sand because of the wind. I remember Cook Sisters, which is a sweet dessert. I remember the southernmost tip of Africa where the Atlantic Ocean crashes into the Indian Ocean. I remember the sound of different languages and dialects everywhere. Different accents, but all South African. I remember the lightning storm. Huge crashes of thunder and bolts of lightning often at the same time, which could shake a brick house. Are you there? I feel like I'm there. (laughs) Ooh, that was so much. I know, but it's beautiful, right? Yeah. Like she remembers that's what she remembers from that time. Yeah. Also, Crazy. like, I would love to see all of that. Yes. Well, she always talked about, like, we'll go there together one day. <laughs> like, uh, yes, please. Thank you. Yeah. I would love to go run around South Africa because you know that she would also know like all of the spots to go to Mm -hmm. all the good food and everything Mm -hmm. but we are going to talk a little bit about the not fun part of South Africa in the 80s which is the apartheid because I didn't I know a little bit about it like I don't know um I read okay so I one of my favorite books is based in South Africa so I know a, a little like a bit about it um great and Also, I watched Survivor South Africa. (laughs) I watched The Color of Friendship on the Disney Channel like in 1995 (laughs) when it came out. (laughs) So So please enlighten me because I don't know like anything about this. I'm going to keep it really brief um, because it's not super related to the case, but it it's something to keep in mind because it was like right in the middle of it. Well, not towards the end of it. 
So the apartheid quite literally means aparthood, and it was a system of institutionalized racial segregation from 1948 to 1944, 1994, not, it didn't go backwards, 48 to the 40, 94, oh my God, stop. It wasn't just happening in South Africa, it was also happening in Southwest Africa, which is now Namibia. Mm. It basically was the insurance that South Africa was completely ruled by the white population, which was the minority. They dominated the country politically, socially, and economically, even though the population was much smaller than the First Nations population. I kind of, they didn't say it like this, but the way they explained it, I kind of picture it like a triangle, like you have white people or a pyramid, you have white people at the top, and then they had Asians and like multiracial, multiracial people in the middle, and mm. then the First Nations people on the bottom. I get it. That was yeah. like how they structured their society. But if I'm wrong, Ugh. please correct me, because I kind of made that up just by how it was described. Right. Not shockingly, some social and economic effects of apartheid are still very apparent today. Mm -hmm. Just to break it down simply, they had petty apartheid and grand apartheid. Petty apartheid was the segregation of public facilities and events. Grand apartheid dictated housing and employment. And it was also illegal to be in an interracial relationship. Mm -hmm. So me and Franz would be a... No, no. Yeah. To learn about it, honestly, watch any of Trevor Noah's stand up or like, I think he has a book called Born a Crime. Like, he's very well spoken about it because his mom is black. South African. Dad is white. Oh, I see. Yeah. And, in, and it was illegal when he was born. He's literally yeah. born a crime, like, and his brothers and stuff. Wow. So. And he just says it so eloquent. You know, he's like, a really good storyteller. Well spoken. Yeah. yeah. So I, if you want to learn more about it, look, look to him. Yeah. I also added a link to the top of my references for this episode that are books written by BIPOC from South Africa. I haven't okay. read them, but just in case anyone wants to learn more, there are books that I've listed. And I also want to just side in there. Don't just read books about their trauma. Like, Understand it. Find, find, it. find books that celebrate them, not just, yeah. you know, their whole lives aren't, and when learning about any culture, like their whole lives aren't just trauma. So make sure you broaden your scope. That's all right. Back to apartheid. Nelson Mandela was the leader of MK, which was an armed militant struggle against the apartheid. He was arrested in 1962 and resistance dimmed as activists were arrested. So like a bunch of activists were being arrested. But it was revitalized in the 1970s by the Black Consciousness Movement. Examples of change were all around them, so that by the 1980s, where our story comes in, there were township rebellions, boycotts, union militancy, and political organizations that pushed the government into a state of emergency, which led to negotiations with Mandela. So that's our little brief. So we know what's happening while we're there. Okay, while well, this mystery is taking place. Yes. So we're going to start with our case. We're going to start with Tracy. On August 1st, 1988, Tracy Lee Scott Crossley. Tracy Dash Lee Scott Cross. Scott Dash Crossley. Lots of dashes. Mm -hmm. She's a 14 year old girl from Randburg, which is a white area just a little north of Johannesburg. So she was white? Yes. Okay. All these girls are white. She grew up in a lower middle-class white family with two living older brothers. One um, died when he was little. 
She took dance lessons, loved Patrick Swayze and wanted to be a dance teacher, hairdresser or an air hostess, which my like dance teaching heart. Yeah. (laughs) She had been dancing since the age of three, but was forced to stop in 1987 due to blackouts that developed into epileptic seizures whenever her blood pressure got too low. Yeah. Sucks. Her parents were divorced and her brothers were grown up. So she lived with her mother, Kat and Pomeranian. She was content, a blossoming young girl who spoke to her mother about everything and never caused her any trouble. On Monday, August 1st, 1988, Tracy was feeling ill. Her mother took her to the doctor the Saturday before where she had been diagnosed with a mild lung infection. Her mother wanted to take her into work, but Tracy wanted to stay home, relax in bed, maybe run to the store, maybe go see a movie. I get that. I wouldn't want to go to work with you if I was sick either. Her mother didn't have any cash on her didn't have any cash on her. So she left Tracy her credit card and she thought Tracy would go alone to Cresta, which is a suburb of Ramberg where they lived. She thought she would go alone because she recently had a falling out with her friends over discos, which I thought was cute. Oh, but that's sad. She had a falling out with her friends. I know. It's always rough. Especially at that age. Yeah. It sucks. It's the worst time. Seriously. Especially in the 80s. They're not like Mm -hmm. 14 year olds today. No. Very different. This chair is making my butt sweaty. Everything's sweaty. I don't know why it's so hot in here. Like the heat's not on. There's no reason. It's very warm in my apartment too. But it's cold out. It's like I know. 60. Yeah. Because that's cold. <laughs> <laughs> it's chilly. In California, it's cold. <laughs> <laughs> so on August 1st, Tracy's mother came home and immediately knew that something was amiss. Tracy didn't come out to greet her like she usually did. She had a biology book laying next, like open, laying next to the things she bought that day in Cresta, which was pantyhose, pencils, pens, and a packet of half-eaten Cadbury Whispers, which are chocolate filled with honeycomb. And that just sounds so Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the TV was on, and there was a pink blanket that was always at the end of the bed that was gone. Tracy always left a note, even for short excursions, or she would always like call her mom and be like, hey, I'm running to the store really fast. But there was no note. Those details I got from an interview with her mother about a month and a half after her disappearance. Other sources state that Tracy was seen getting into a Volkswagen bug outside of the shopping center in Cresta, where she went to the store. This started a nationwide police search and poster campaign. Her oldest brother, Mark, had declined to go shopping with her, and he is severely guilt-ridden oh, by his refusal to yeah. Her, which is horrible. Horrible. So, did she hitchhike? I don't know. It sounds... so. But it sounds hitch- like she went to the store and got stuff and then came home. Yeah. It, so, it sounds like she did, no matter what, like, the VW bug or whatever left her. Right. If she did go into that bug, it right. chopped her off. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just... That's why I was like, that's what this says. But other sources said this. So I don't know where she was actually taken from. Or... Yeah. So we're going to move on to Fiona. On December 22nd, 1988. So this is several months later. Fiona Harvey disappeared. Fiona was just 12 years old and live in Pietermaritzburg, which is the capital and second largest city of the province KwaZulu-Natal. Pietermaritzburg is like five and a half hours from where Tracy was. In Randburg. Okay. Fiona was in Clarendon, which is a suburb of that area, Pieter Marit. 
they were settled by the Dutch, which like, who knows? A lot of their names are like Dutch. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think I do. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so she was in Clarendon on her way to buy milk. It was during the summer holidays. South Africa is in the Southern hemisphere, like I said. So their summer is December to March. Right. That Fiona went missing, but she was at school on that exact day, according to the principal at the time. He was even in his office that morning and he did this interview in 2014 where he was like, she could have walked by my window and I didn't even realize it. Yeah. He even joined the volunteer search team, encouraged his staff to join as well, and even contacted the family to offer his support and assistance. Her kidnapping changed the energy in Pieter Maritzburg forever. As I get through these girls, I get less and less information about who they were. Like Tracy, yeah. I had the most. It's going to get some of them I literally just have when they disappeared and nothing else. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to move on to Joan. On June 7th, 1989. So again, seven, eight months later, Joan Horn, another 12-year-old, disappeared. Joan Horn lived in Pretoria, one of the three capitals of South Africa, and only about 45 minutes from Johannesburg. I honestly can't find anything else on Joan. Her mother has been outspoken, but has been hurt from hope in the past. And the family is just trying to move on with their lives. Yeah. And it's hard to do so because they get like new leads or, and stuff and they'll put it all over the news and not. It sucks because the they like first. don't want to get their hopes up and then dashed again. But yeah. they also like it does like it's going to like spark hope. And then yeah. it's just. That's so sad. And this is the 80s. So all their parents and stuff are like elderly and some have passed away at this point. Yeah. It's yeah. It's just really, really heartbreaking. So that's all I have on Joan. Um, Janet in July of 1989. So a month later, Janet Delport disappeared. She was a 16 year old girl from Durban, which is seven and a half hours from Pretoria. So that's where she was from, I think. Um, but she was picked up at a shopping mall in Malvern, which is a suburb of Johannesburg. So they're all kind of taken from around the same area. Yeah. We talk about Durban later. I don't know, whatever. Janet was picked up by a woman with blonde hair. She was later found unharmed, wandering, and just distressed. Again, I can't find much, I think, because she was found. But I can't figure out, like, how long she was missing, where she was found, or how she got away, or what she remembers. I couldn't find any information on Wow. She might not remember anything. I don't know. Right. Rosa. Only a few weeks after Janet disappeared, Rosa Peel, a nine-year-old from Alberton, went missing. That's all I have on Rosa. Can't find anything else. Odette and Anne-Marie. On September 22nd, 1989, two girls from Kempton Park disappeared. Odette, I don't know how you use, I want to say her name Boucher because it looks French, but that's not how they pronounce it. It's like Bouch, Boucher. She was 11 and Anne-Marie Wapenar, Wapenar, she was 12. Kempton is only about 30 minutes east of Johannesburg. They disappeared while they were walking on the way to go swimming. Only a week later on September 29th, Anne-Marie's mother received a letter from Anne-Marie claiming that she and her friend Odette had run away with some boys to Durban. Another letter arrived that Anne-Marie's after Anne-Marie's from Odette to her parents. However, the letters were both posted on September 23rd, 1989 in Durban. So they were posted the same day, but they didn't arrive on the same day. They were posted. The same. Okay. Got it. Yeah. I, yep. From Durban, which is yeah. seven and a half hours away from where they were taken. Went missing. Yeah. 
in July, 1990, a letter. So this is years late, uh, the next year, the next year in July, 1990, a letter was found in a book from the fabric library in Midrand, like tucked into a book slip, which is only 16 miles from Johannesburg. The note said, please help. My name is Anne-Marie Wappener. And I came in with my kidnapper, myself and my friend Odette need, need, it was like cut in, um, are in need of help. Some save us, come save us. They included an address. It's hard to read. I'll post the picture. It's hard to read. And it looks like it says Glen Hazel and then it's JHB. So I'm assuming that's Johannesburg. The bottom of the note said, please do as soon as possible and tell our parents that we are okay. But my friend phoned her grandmother to, I couldn't really read it. It's like faded. However, the girls' names were both misspelled. And it was written in a level of English that Anne-Marie didn't possess as the girls both spoke Afrikaans as their first language. So it's pretty much like handwriting analysis was was like, that's not from them. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't. I hate people so much. I don't think they figured that out till like years later that it wasn't. Yeah, no, of course not. (sighs) I know it's horrible. So I think a lot of these parents too receive like, Signing calls that are fake yeah. and like yep. so guys i'm not saying any of the family members names because i just want everyone to leave them the fuck alone so yeah no one contact anybody <laughs> yolanda a few months later on november 3rd 1989 yolanda wessels a 13 year old disappeared that's all i have on yolanda another joan two months passed before jan boys Joan Boysen, who was 16 at the time, was abducted on January 11th, 1990. Joan, like Janet, also escaped, but we're going to talk about her more later. Okay. So. Do we have more information on it? Yes, a lot. Okay, excellent. So we're going to talk about the primary suspects, which is Hertz Van Royen. Are they, so um, before you do that, like, are they basically saying it's likely the same person doing this yes okay they have so they have their main suspect it doesn't mean that he did them all it's not proven that he did them all right it's It's just suspected that it was just one person because they were all around the same age similar Mm -hmm. motives similar like they all kind of look similar i think the only brunette was yolanda Okay. I think everyone else was blonde. But even then, brunette has like uh, being a brunette. Like you have different levels of it. Like it could right. be a lighter brunette. It was. It looks lighter in the picture. That I might think. look dark blonde or something. Yeah. So I feel like they're all young girl. They're all school age. They're all like pretty blonde girls. Oh man! So now I'm just like for I don't know what it's called. Uh, where you are. Uh, what does psychics do? Premonitions. Anyway, Premonition. my mm-hmm. premonition is that it's the 80s. And so we're about to get a little racy. Well, it's just like with the suspects. They might not be the only ones. That's all. Yeah. You know, because it's like who report, you know what I mean? So yep. yeah. That's why I talked about apartheid a little bit. Cause I was like, yeah, the gaps are too big. Whatever. Anyway. So. Hurt Van Royen, his name is really Cornelius Gerardus. Okay, Dutch, you don't say the G. It's like a H sound. So Cornelius Gerardus Van Royen. I don't care. He's a fuckhead anyway, so whatever. He claimed to be an ex-preacher. 
He was born in 1938 in South Africa. He was often called Hurt or Bokey, which I don't know what Bokey means. Does it mean something? B-O-K-K-I-E. It does. It does. It's Afrikaans. I, re- I remember that word from my, um, it means goat. Oh, like greatest of all time? No. <laughs> he's the worst. Okay. No, this is the 80s. So goat is like, he's yeah. maybe like an ass. <laughs> maybe that's what they Maybe. Mean. His first run-ins with crime were simple theft. He stole a car and a rifle in 1954 so that he could drive from Cape Town to Pretoria, which is almost a 15-hour drive, um, to visit his mother who was dying. Well, that's the reason for the car. I don't, I don't know what the purpose of stealing the rifle was, but he was 16, so maybe there wasn't a purpose, and it was just like, oh, look, a gun, and took it. Yeah. You know, I don't know. He was sent to a reform school. He ended up going to prison in 1960, so that's six years later, for stealing motor spares and clothing. And I think motor spares are just car parts. Okay. I'm not positive. I couldn't, that's really hard to look that up. So I don't, I think it's just car parts. After getting out of prison, he got married and had six children with his wife, Aletta. He made a legitimate living by running a construction business with his brother. Love a construction worker. Okay. Mm. So many, so much concrete to pour. He he was known as a braggart and often gawked and chatted with young schoolgirls. Like he had a gate around his property and would like hang around on it and like try to talk to them. He also was known to be seen with a lot of cash, but was often called cheap by his employees, like people, his maid and like his his butler, his like gardener and stuff. And he never parked in front of his house. He always parked in the car park and closed the gate immediately. Which, like, I don't think it's that weird. Like, if I had no, I that, I would like... also... I never park on the street. Yeah. Like, ever. But, I don't know. It's not that weird to me. But they were no, like... It was no. like he was a game ward, like a prison warden, and would, like, keep the gate locked all the time. I mean, if you have a gate... That's the purpose. Use it. Keep it locked. <laughs> I don't know. Keep your goat in. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> so... He wasn't arrested again until 1979, so that's a twi- almost a 20-year span, when he was tried and convicted for abducting two young girls, ages 10 and 13. He mm. took the girls to Harbisport Dam, which is a large dam that is about 12 miles from Pretoria. This is where it starts to get rough. So Hurt punched them both in the face and ordered them to remove their clothing before he sexually molested them. He brought the girls back to Pretoria and released them the next day for which he was arrested for abduction, sexual assault, and common assault, and was sentenced to a mere, you want to guess? Three years. Oh, okay. Four years. Uh, um, but he only served three, so you're not wrong. Yeah. So, yay. Ugh. I wish I had a little bell. So, like, whenever someone's a dick, you can, like, ding, ding, ding. Yeah. <laughs> Asshole bell. <laughs> if it, people ever send us stuff, I hope they send me a bell. At the end, just a little one, finger symbols, whatever. Yeah. At the end of his sentence in August of 1983, he and his wife got divorced. In 1988, Hurt began dating Francina Joanna Joey Hermina Harhoff. Um, so she was called Joey. She was a divorcee and she was no angel before Hurt and her began dating. One article said she only had, she was like, she had three sons, but her daughter 
from her marriage wrote a book about her. So like she had like, a daughter. That's how all. Yeah. Um, it's called battered, abused, and shamed. Joey Harhoff was my mother. You can get it on Amazon. Interesting. Yeah. Her name's Amore. So Joey's daughter is a businesswoman now and is a wife, mother, grandmother, pastor, and business owner and author. So she's busy. Yeah. But before her mother began dating Hurt, she was in an abusive household. Joey herself physically, verbally, and emotionally abused her only daughter and turned a blind eye while her own father sexually assaulted her. Amore describes her mother as a megalomaniac, which is a person who's obsessed with their own power. She also describes that she was never a drinker, but when she started dating Hurt, she became one. So she suspects that Hurt got Joey hooked onto substances, but otherwise he just allowed her to become what she already was in her full capacity. Mm. She was already a monster. Yeah. Can I show you a picture of them? Mm -hmm. They just don't look like what you expect them to look like. Oh, wow. Right? So that's the guy that... That's Hurt and that's Joey. Wow. It's just... Not they what, look like grandparents. Like, they do. Oh. It's weird. So just so we know, Amor, the daughter, now is extremely religious and hopes that her book will help advise people in horrible situations to heal. So she's doing very well in life. Good. Good. Joey and Hurt regularly took holidays in warm baths, which is now renamed as Bella Bella, which is 60 miles from Pretoria. And I didn't look up how to say this. Umdlati, U-M-D-L-O-T-I, so sorry, <laughs> which is a small resort town on the KwaZulu-Natal coast, and it is seven hours and 15 minutes from Pretoria, so, and less than 30 minutes north of Durban. Okay. It is suspected that Van Ruyen, Royen used Tarhoff to lure, as a lure to get young schoolgirls for him. As we know, women seem more trustworthy than men. You're usually warned against getting in cars with men. And not so much with women. Right. Some children's homes have reported that Harhoff has called them to request girls for holidays and weekends. They were often denied, but by the end of 1989, an orphanage in the free orange state mm. sent a 14 year old girl to spend mm. Christmas with them. I don't know anything. I don't know her name. I don't know if she went back to the orphanage. Like, I know nothing. She must have because. In what state, though, and, like, how traumatized was she? And, mm -hmm. oh, my God, I don't even want to know. Yeah. I, I can't well, even think about you it. You can't, because I can't find it anywhere. Ugh. Thank God girl. for that. Yeah. The couple even applied to foster children, but thankfully were denied. Which, Ugh. like, yeah, why was that girl allowed to go with them? Did she return? What happened? He had a record of, like, molesting young girls. I just don't. Yeah. <sighs> ben Royan and Harhoff have been convict connected to seven of the nine girls that I have mentioned. Rosa Peel and Tracy Lee are suspected to be victims of them, but there is no physical evidence that connects them so far. Okay. So we're going to talk a little bit about the evidence. Fiona, Joan, Jeanette, Odette, Anne-Marie, Yolanda, and the other Joan have all been connected to Van Royan and Harhoff, either through eyewitness testimony or forensic evidence. Like I said, Tracy and Rosa have not been connected in any way. Mm -hmm. For instance, a white Ford Bantam pickup truck, which had an advertisement for Van Royen's contracting business, was seen in the neighborhood that Fiona disappeared from on the same day that she disappeared. 
The truck was described in detail from the logo on the door up to the racks on the top, proving that it was one of his trucks. Right. The following investigation uncovered that he had stalked Pieter Maritzburg area for weeks leading up to Fiona's abduction. So maybe he stalked other areas as well near schools. I don't, I don't know. Right. Odette Boucher's home address and phone number were written on a piece of paper that was hidden under a carpet in Van Royen's garage, along with her yellow bag and her class captain's badge. And Marie's address and house keys were also found in his house, along with the paper and envelopes used to send the letters to the girl's parents. Hmm. So he's definitely connected to them. Let's talk about Joan, the second Joan. Joan Boysen, the 16-year-old that was abducted in January. Yeah. She was abducted by Harhoff in Church Square, Pretoria, which it looks like a park, not like a wooded park, but like, like a town center almost. Her sister did a short interview with East Coast Breakfast in 2017 to talk about her sister's experience. So I'm paraphrasing from what her sister says. Is and what this happened. is a news show, it sounds like. I think East it's Coast like a Breakfast. radio. I think it's a radio show. That sounds interesting. I love that name, yeah. East Coast Breakfast. And their accents are great. Anyway, oh, my old, my old roommate does have the accent. It's not as strong as theirs is because she has lived here a really long time. But yeah, yeah. She explained that Joan was taking the bus into town, but missed the bus that would take her from town to school. So she had to take two buses just to get to school. She went to the phone booth in Pretoria Square to call her mom so that her mom could call the school and say that she was running late because she missed her bus. Right. Some old lady, that's how, that's how the sister put it, asked her if she wanted a job or if she knew anyone else who wanted a job. But she was like, I'm in my school uniform. Like, obviously, no. But like maybe in the summer or something, you know what I mean? Yeah. The lady walked away and then came back and asked why she was standing there. Why was she going to school in January if that's their summer vacation? Um, so I, I, I like, I don't know, but I think that some of them are like boarding schools. Um, okay. Sometimes they'll go year round, but like they'll have like three weeks off in the summer or whatever. Gotcha. Gotcha. I just didn't even that's connect okay. that. And I was confused. The late, the old lady explained that she was going in the direction of Joan's school and she could give her a lift. At this point in Joan's life, she knew not to talk to strangers, never Good. to get in a car with them. Um, but it was always like never get in a car with a man. Yeah. So she. Because women aren't criminals. Right. And she knew about the other missing girls because there yeah. was so many missing at this point. But this was an old lady. <sighs> Don't do it, John. I just think of I just think of that old lady up in Northern California that like killed all the old people. Mm -hmm. Old people can be criminals too. Yeah. Look at look at GSK. Yeah. (laughs) Pull ups and shit. Even though he's like eighty. So the car was a VW van, not a bug, but a van. Okay. With curtains in the windows, which is like think about it. It's the eighties. People probably still have them from the seventies. Right. The lady told her that she needed to go home and let her husband know that she was dropping Joan off at school. Joan was waiting in the car, but the lady said her husband. I know it's horrible. It's horrible. You good? (laughs) Yeah, I'm just upset about this. You're going to be upset. But not to you know she's tell your husband why. Yeah. Because she's a weird old lady. You volunteered to do it. Don't like, don't say, oh. 
it's just like someone whenever they're they're like oh let me do you this favor but like while we're doing you this favor we need to run this 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 and this no this like i didn't want to do all of that i didn't sign up for that just let me fucking walk to school you're gonna get more upset just as i talk so just warn your i'm trigger warning it's gonna get upsetting yeah so Joan was waiting in the car when they got to the house, but the lady said her husband wasn't home. So she told her to come in and have some juice before her husband got home. This is like, oh such- my God, Why? she needs to get to school. <laughs> Seriously, You could have dropped her off and then brought her like, it just doesn't. The lady tried to show her her house, but there was an old man, like Joan noticed an old man behind her and she kicked him, like turn around, kicked him. And saw that he was holding a gun to her face. (sighs) He shoved her in the bedroom, took her shoes off. He did cut her shirt and sexually assault her, but she wasn't raped. And Harhoff stuffed a bunch of sleeping pills down her throat, stuffed a sock in her mouth, and then they put tape over it. They handcuffed her arms behind her back and put her in a cupboard where she only stayed. She stayed for only a few minutes before she decided she had to get the fuck out. And like her sister was like, my sis, she was like, my sister's kind of immune to pills. Like it usually takes a lot longer for pills to like kick in for her, even since she was like really little yeah. or any medicine. So, and I don't know if that's like a thing. <laughs> I don't know. It, yeah. It could be like based off your metabolism and stuff. You yeah. Know? So she was lucky in that sense, since they shoved a whole bunch of sleeping pills down her throat. Yeah. And she said, like, my sister doesn't drink the juice that the woman gave her anymore, even till today and doesn't take pills or anything, which I don't blame her at all. She had even done a school. So she had done a school project uh, like a couple months before about the missing girls. And she recognized one of the girl's photos that were in the house. (sighs) She heard music in the background. So she's in the, she's in the cupboard. She heard music in the background. She climbed through her handcuffs and got them in front of her body. Yeah, good for her. She prayed a little bit, found a lid of a cooler box next to her, which she used to because the cupboard was like locked from the outside. She used it and she shoved it into the cupboard crack and like wrenched the door open. Nice. She got out and ran down the hallway. She saw a phone and ran to it and called her cousin because she knew no one was going to be at her house. First of all, call the police, baby girl. <laughs> yeah, but maybe there wasn't like a 911 back then or something. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Or she, and or maybe she couldn't remember the police and a phone number or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it could be anything. I would just call the first person that comes to your mind that you know is going to answer. It's yeah. absolutely acceptable. She said where she was. She kind of knew because the street was like near the zoo. That's the only reason she didn't know like the house number or anything. Um, She said she'd been kidnapped. Please call the police and her mother. That's when she saw one of the photos of the missing girls, which was Yolanda Wellens, who was Harhoff's niece. Uh, Cue your horrified facial expression. (laughs) Wow. Mm. Yeah. She's the one that I think was brunette. I'd have to look at the picture. So... So without shoes, she ran to the front of the house. She didn't see the man, but she saw Harhoff in the yard and she ran out and stopped into the street and stopped a car and said, please, can you let me in? Harhoff had seen her at this point and Mm -hmm. ran after her and explained that this girl had stolen something from them and they were waiting for the police. 
but the guy was the next cop and he recognized that the girl had real handcuffs on. And he said, he was like, I think he, she was already in the car and he was like starting to drive away. And he said, I'll bring her back. But instead he just sped off yeah, and started asking Joan questions. Like, do you know where you are? Like all that, like, how old are you? Where do you live? And she just kept saying her cousin's phone number out loud. Like, please call my cousin and like kept saying it. So she finally started falling asleep because the pills yeah. were kicking in. She passed out, but was when she woke up, she was at home surrounded by there were cops and ambulances and her family and everyone was there. She did explain to them. She didn't see any other girls. She did see school clothes and a school bag in the house. So the cops went right away since they knew where it was because right. of her and because of this cop. I mean, up. but unfortunately, like they still had plenty of time to get rid of evidence in this. Mm-hmm. Or do other things. Um, Joan, just so we know now, Joan is the mother of three boys. She loves giving back to the community. She's done a few public interviews, um, but stopped after a particular one that included all of the other girls' mothers. And she has severe survivor's guilt. I'm sure. Um, I'm sure. she, She stopped doing interviews to protect the families. Yeah. Which I don't blame her at all. Death is a mighty universal truth. Charles Dickens said that. Oh, I just picked it as like, here's what we're going to talk about. (laughs) Yeah. After Joan's escape, Van Royen and Harhoff knew that they were caught. When the police arrived at their house on that very same day, January 11th, they were already gone. They were found a few days later. And during a police chase on the 16th of January, Van Royen decided to shoot Harhoff and then he shot himself. Wow. They took the truth with them. Yep. You make dog a, hair. I was like, you making a wish? <laughs> <laughs> it's dog hair. You can make wishes forever. <laughs> uh, We're getting to the end. After the fact, it was a little hard to organize, and my information might be a little like sporadic and in, in a weird order. But just like this is my best attempt. So there has been focus in Durban, that town that's seven hours from Johannesburg. Yeah. Due to Van Royen's job, he had company access, a company access card for Del Clamp in Pinetown, which I don't, I think Del Clamp is like a neighborhood um, in that area, as well as there is a photo of Harhoff outside of the 101 Victorian basement block of flats. So they think they had like either a place there or something. They definitely had connections. Like a storage unit or something? No, like they took holidays there. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. So they, oh. And then, <gasps> oh. And then, like, he worked there. So there were con- they were connected to so that, that connects area. connects the locations and where yeah. that girl was found, right? Yes. She was found in Durban. Or, no. Her she was from, stuff she was, from was found. She was from I Durban. I feel like something was found and in Durban. And then the letters were posted from Durban. Yeah, those two letters. It. Yeah. 11 years later, Flippy Van Royen, Royen, which is Van Royen's son, alleged that the girls were killed as part of satanic rituals or taken to the Middle East as part of a trafficking scheme. He even uh, alleged that they were there were former National Party ministers involved with child smuggling. But he was tried and convicted on three counts of perjury while he was already serving a life sentence for the murder of a Zimbabwean girl who was 15. So mm-hmm. he's he's a gem. Yeah. Oh, and he was paroled in 2008. So, yay. Sounds like he had um, some life lessons from his dad that he never shook away. Yeah. 
got rid of. He did have another son, um, Gerard, who was sentenced to 15 years in prison for fraud and theft. So Mm. most of the family is a mess. Yeah. There has been some renewed interest in the case, but it's been proven incorrect. So I don't want to dwell on it. In 2007, there were bones found near Umdlati, that place, mm-hmm. in KwaZulu-Natal, which is only, it was only 500 meters, which is a little less than 2,000 feet from a holiday resort than Van Royen and Harhoff often stayed at. Okay. But the DNA did not identify the remains as any of these girls. Um, that doesn't mean that there aren't other girls uh, or that, that it's still a victim from them, or it could be someone else. Right. But we'll talk about that in a second. Bones were discovered in 2012 under a swimming pool in a house in Pretoria. So supposedly Van Royen's company did a lot of swimming pools at the time, but mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think this is one of them. I don't know. There's no like connection of him doing this one. Um, the neighbor, it was like a neighbor of Van Royen's. He didn't own the house at the time of the disappearances. He ended up calling the police, but it is believed the bones belong to a young woman and not necessarily a young girl. Like a 12 year old. Yeah. Yeah. The outfit and the ring found with the bones didn't match any descriptions of any of the missing girls outfits when they first disappeared. It was like a green dress, black stockings and like a a ring. Yeah. So no one we don't think it's one of the girls, at least in 2017, the re-excavated they re-excavated, so they did it once before, at Blythedale Beach in KwaZulu-Natal for not the first but the second time, since they believed the remains of at least one of the girls were there, but they came up empty-handed both times. Wow. It is also believed that Harhoff wore a blonde wig when out trying to lure girls to come home with her. Think of Tracy, uh, Janet, who yeah. like, was taken by a, girl, a woman in a blonde with blonde hair. And a blonde wig was found burnt on the side of a highway outside of Pretoria. So they could have burnt it and like tried to get rid of it. There are theories that he asked his servants who were First Nations, specifically the gardener and the maid, or I don't know if it was a woman or a man or whatever, that he would pay them if they brought him young girls from their communities. Yep. Um, there are theories he simply abused them or theories that he might've sent them out of the country. And these are all based off of, there was a police officer that was there. Um, he, he was pulling on the car door while Van Royen shot Harhoff and then himself, like he, the door was locked during the police chase. So he's still, he said he won't stop investigating until it's solved or he's dead. Wow. Which is honestly amazing because some cases just really don't have anyone working on them. Right. He also, so this officer also believes that he, that Van Royen was even more interested in First Nation girls and mixed race girls, but supposedly there was more money in white children. So like the theory is that he was selling them, white children would give him more money. It's just a theory. Yeah. I Um, mean, yeah. Yeah. We're almost done and then we can speculate and whatever, because I- I don't have solid speculations. I just have questions that I had. Right. With that being said, it is believed that he wasn't active for just that year. Cause no, no. Um, and that he didn't only take white girls at the time of the disappearances, there had been school uniforms found slashed up that belonged to first nations girls. If you judge by the color of the uniform, Uh huh. 
And then remember, this was during apartheid. Different states rarely shared information and police had limited access to orphanages and social services. I did try to find more information about missing First Nations African children or mixed race children as well as others, but Van Royen's name and these several girls like dominate any of the searches that you try to look up. Yeah. I did dig, I got into like an official list of missing people from South Africa, but they were all kind of recent. The ones I clicked through, like nothing was old. So I don't, I don't know, but yeah, theories, more like speculations. What do you, do you want me to, I just have questions. I'm kind of thinking like, so I don't know what his connection would be to some sort of sex trafficking or child sex trafficking, like like how would he have gotten connected to them? Because he didn't do, there's no internet. So there's no way for him to like reach those people or be like, or have connections. Like there's, I'm not seeing that connect there. Yeah. So I'm thinking it. it's more likely that. Just for him. For him. It was just for him. His preference was white girls, but he started out with first nations girls because he knew they were easier to get. The police wouldn't follow up on them or be looking for them. Yeah. And like just that it was just a lot easier. Yeah. So I think that what he what happened was similar to Joan's experience. She he would kidnap the girls, shove sleeping pills down their throat. Do whatever he did to them and then killed them and then buried them under cement, like you had mentioned. Buried them at like at different construction sites. So I'll bet there's people in South Africa that had like pools put in or something along those lines put in by his company and not even realizing that there's probably a body under there. Yeah. Yeah. Because being a construction worker is like one of the most convenient professions to have when you're a serial killer. Oh, yeah. Construction work or like truck driver because. Yeah. Because you're everywhere. Yep. Ugh. So my questions were like, one, where are they? Where are the girls? They've never yeah. been found. They've haven't found a single one of them or evidence of a single one of them. Yeah. If Van Royen and Harhoff are guilty, why did they? I mean, they took the coward's way out. Um, but would they ju- would they do that just for the murders of Anne Marie Odette and Joan? Well, Joan lived, but those are the only three that they're like absolutely forensic evidence that they are connected to right but there's probably a whole bunch more yeah yeah how many more are there that were unreported or not taken into consideration either because of racism difficulty you know dealing with police or other such issues like we have here in america where they're like not taken seriously yeah or they don't care like they're not a significant person to care you know what i mean yeah 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 this case has been cold for over 30 years and years now and we still haven't found a trace of any of the girls yeah what about other bones that have been found were they victims of what like the bones that they found at the beach or at under the pool were they also victims of him just not these girls i think so i I think think so so too I mean, there has to be more. I bet they are like even could even be First Nations girls. Yeah. 
that were never reported missing or were reported missing and that it's just not in police logs or anything. Mm-hmm. Or not like investigated properly. Yep. Ugh. Were other girls kidnapped who got away? Or is there another killer? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think there definitely could be. Look at California in like the 60s and 70s. There were multiple killers, you know? So it wouldn't surprise me if there were. However, I think that he's got a lot. Like, he has a lot to do with a lot of them. Yeah. I definitely agree. Let's wrap it up. Unless you have any other theories. Wrap it up. Thoughts? Theories? Thoughts? Uh, No, just a lot of anger. Yep. I told you it was going to be upsetting. Yeah. Missing children were given a spotlight in South Africa due to these six missing girls linked to Van Royen and Harhoff. So like they never were really talked about before. Same as here, like with the, with the eighties and stuff when children, you know, with Johnny Gosh and stuff, it became like, put them on milk cartons and do, you know what I mean? Yeah. They did put these girls on milk cartons too. That was also a practice there. Oh, wow. Joan Horn and Fiona Harvey were both adopted. So finding their DNA is just an extra set of steps, you know? Yeah. I don't know if they found their like birth parents or not. It was just something I read in like an older article. So even if they do find bones, they have to like get DNA from their parents or their living relatives, biological Mm. living relatives. The only girls conclusively linked to Van Royen and Harhoff, like I mentioned before, were Anne-Marie, Odette, and of course, Joan Boyen, as Anne-Marie and Odette's belongings and addresses were found in his house, and obviously Joan, because she escaped. In 1996, the owner of Van Royen and Harhoff's House of Horrors, as they dubbed it, donated it to the police, where they demolished the house slowly Good. at every level imaginable, looking for evidence of any of the girls. They like started at the roof. And they were looking for hair or fingernails or anything. The only thing that they found were some bones in the yard, but they were animal bones. So mm. there was no evidence, which like, how was yeah. there even no evidence of Joan, like in the cupboard? Like, I don't, I just don't even, how did they keep it that clean? Uh, Dexter style. Ugh. Yeah. Years later, some people would come forward believing that they were abducted by Van Royen and Harhoff. Mm-hmm. One woman remembered an instance in 1976. Uh, she went with a man in his VW bug, but on realizing he wasn't going to take her home, she jumped out of the moving vehicle and hid in a nearby garden while he circled the block a couple times yeah. before he oh, left. When Van Royen's face was put on the screen of the evening news in that January of 1990, she said she almost dropped her baby because she oh. was like, it was him. And it very well could have been him. And she just got lucky. There have been other stories that came up like that too. According to a 2013 study, a child goes missing every five hours in South Africa. 77% of the children are found, leaving 23% that go unfound, trafficked, or found deceased. Yeah. Uh, Like I mentioned before, I did not include any family members' names as most of them do not want to be approached or contacted. The ones that are still living are getting older and some have passed away. But I I wish to respect that, their privacy completely. And I expect our listeners to do the same. Yeah. If you have any, and please guys, real information, learn something from the armchair sluice in that Elisa Lamb documentary that ruined that poor man's life. Yeah. Just don't do shit like that. Um, 
email gvrplus at protonmail.com. So it's gvrplus at p-r-o-t-o-n mail.com or call if you're in South Africa, 061-487-2670 to talk with Don Chandler. He's the officer that was on the scene in January and is still actively investigating it. If you have less relevant information or are nervous about the information you might have, please feel free to email us at mrreticle at gmail.com. Follow us at Mr. Reticle on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. And don't forget to give us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't play with strangers. And don't trust your government. It always seems impossible until it's done. Nelson Mandela. My next one's going to be a bummer too. Bummer land. We're doing all the bummers. And then the one after that is like kind of fun because that's the missing kid. Um, <laughs> that's not why it's fun. <laughs> Sorry. I don't judge you. It's just funny. I understand what you mean.